welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang, goalies, and bang, bang. Welcome to our new listeners. Welcome back to all our old listeners. And if you just started tuning in not long ago, welcome to you as well. And uh, so exciting to see so many new people, you know, jumping into committing to, to listening to the show. And, and for the people that are just joining us, you know, it's it's funny, like, go back and, and listen to all my first episodes. And obviously, you know, you can hear how nervous I am, you know, uh, uh, how, how nervous I was, you know, initially really to do everything. And I even detailed it in my first episode. Right. But um, but like anything, you know, you're, you're not you're not going to be great at first and there's always some type of learning here. Right. But if you just kind of commit to that, uh, to learning and growing in whatever skills you're trying to develop. Right. Not just not just this, what I'm trying to do here. Obviously, I'm a goalie grassroots goalie. Right. But the, the more you're proactive about just improving on small details here and there uh, over the long term, eventually things come together. And that's anything in life. Right. So I must say, you know, don't mind my, my temperament in those conversations you know, the content was uh, definitely there, but I think the show has come a long way. So if, if you if you actually haven't even gotten back to the start of the show yet, you know, we have over a full year's worth of library of, of absolutely high level content from uh, some of the best goalies and coaches in the world uh, that are out there either getting it done or, or have gotten it done. And obviously, you know, only we're 55 episodes in now. Right. But, uh, you know, a lot more to go, a lot more coaches, a lot more great goalies out there. I know there's a lot, a lot, a lot great ones uh, out there. Right. So um, but the the show, you know, has been completely and uh, entirely focused on goaltending development. Nothing else here. And that's all completely free. Just sitting there for you guys, you know, to go get inside the minds of the elite. So, you know, I really encourage you to go back and, and take that leap and, and start from the beginning if you haven't yet uh, to make sure you don't really miss any of the hard work work we put in early on to get the show off the ground. You know, um, although not a lot of people were, were listening early on, you know, we really hit the ground running, I think, and uh, didn't fail to disappoint with guests early on in the show. So definitely go back, you know, buckle up and enjoy the ride and relive the journey you know, that we've been on for the last 12 months now and, and see how far we've come. And it's been incredible for everyone involved. So the feedback has been uh, obviously nothing short of phenomenal. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you so much. Um, you know, you have no idea. And be rest assured, obviously, uh, that I'm working incredibly hard, you know, beh- behind the scenes to continue to build and grow the show and this community. And uh, ultimately, the impact it has on the entire global goalie community and hopefully to a level never seen before within the goalie niche, right? So whether you can uh, get there or not, uh, whether we can get there or not, you know, that's that's truly my goal, and I'm staying committed to that for you guys every single day. So today on the show, you know, I have the pleasure of being joined by an old friend of the show, Matt Smith, in her first ever dual Q&A segment. And in this one, uh, this one turned out to be an absolutely fire segment, actually. And, and thank you to all our community members from both sides of the fence um, you know, who submitted their recorded questions. And we definitely got some very interesting ones and uh, some were some super hot topics. Um, but even more importantly, some of the value provided from the conversation, I think you guys will just really enjoy, you know, how candid everything is today. You know, Matt and I, uh, you know, we don't sugarcoat anything, no sugarcoating here, unfortunately. But the stuff, you know, it's the stuff you goalies need to hear to be successful. And you know that I've always been like that since day one. So all of the show uh, all the show questions can be found in the in the show description, uh, but otherwise stick around all the way to the end of the show 
to get all the value I have for you guys today. It was a great convo right to the end and uh, actually heated up uh, pretty significantly halfway. So with that being said, we have no ads today for all my wonderful listeners. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. I know you guys are going to love the chat Matt and I had today. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. And today is not just any special, but the inaugural guest feature Q&A segment on the GHP. And for our first ever guest Q&A podcast feature, uh, I've decided to bring back uh, on a friend of the show, Matt Smith, who needs no introduction if you've been a longtime listener. But for those who, who maybe haven't heard of Matt yet, uh, he's one of the best uh, up-and-coming goalie coaches in, in not just Canada, but arguably all of North America and the globe as well. And uh, now overseeing and teaching over half the goalies uh, from the OHL here in Ontario. And you don't get that feat for being mediocre. And most, and in most recent memory, uh, you know, one of his uh, close students, Nico Dawes, uh, won OHL Goaltender of the Year as well as World Junior Gold Medal with Team Canada in 2019. I am a big fan of, of Matt's work, and I know so many goalies and, and coaches in the goalie community are as well. And Always a pleasure to chat goaltending with a great mind and someone who's uh, thinking progressively and, and what that next level and that next layer looks like and, you know, feels like for goalies. So super pumped to welcome him back to the show. Matt, how you doing, brother? Welcome back to the show, man. Good, man. Good. It's good to be back on. I um, I did get called out by you and uh, Rob Liddell, Mr. Coach Liddell himself, uh, that I was off social media for a bit. So I thought I'd... Uh, I have to make an appearance, uh, you know, get back on and, and make sure uh, give the people what they want. You know what I mean? So uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back. No, I took a bit of a, a little bit of hiatus there because I was uh, I was dealing with some stuff during COVID trying to get uh, all our players, uh, you know, excited to play again. So but I'm back now. I'll, I'll make sure I, I give some good, valuable insight and uh, make it worth your while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, well I I'm sure uh, people won't be dis- disappointed, but awesome to reconnect. Yeah, Rob Liddell actually uh, gave you a shout out, and uh, you know a lot of the goalies and, and coaches in the community have uh, you know sort of gravitated toward your your content. But I know, like we said, it's been a you know kind of significant amount of time since you and I last saw each other. I think we had For you sure. on uh, early early on like episode 16, but I know things have been. Uh, you know, going um, pretty good now that, that things have been opened up, but even for your students and stuff like that, despite the, the COVID setbacks, we're still dealing with, unfortunately. So maybe you can just fill us in. How have things been since we last spoke? Yeah, really good, actually. Like like we said, like in Ontario, so I'm based out of Ontario and we were shut down for a couple months, like in lock, we went back into lockdown. Um, and then, uh, so that was, that was a bit challenging for sure with our players. And um, a lot of, a lot of it was just getting them, you know, kind of inspired to keep learning and, and learn via video and zoom and stuff like that. So it's, it's a, it's a tough thing to, to go through, but um, now that we're past it, it's actually been pretty good. Like I think it, yeah. you know, sometimes uh, taking a break can be pretty productive in the sense of like self-reflection and improving. So um, it, it's been really good get coming back and getting on the ice. Cause uh, you know, it's been uh, we've been on quite a bit and um, you know, I think the players have, have, have really stepped up uh you know their training to get ready for potentially a season um coming up here so um yeah no it's been it's been really positive for, from our end and but it it was a tough couple months and i think everybody was going through it right so um but how, being back on the ice like it's it's crazy um you know it's just a breath of fresh air right like it's it's what you're uh 
you feel like you're on this planet to do. And then when it gets taken away, it uh, is pretty disappointing. And then oh. when you get back on, you feel so good about it. So, so I, I'm fired up now and, and things are get, looking like they're getting closer to back to normal, which is, which is big, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when you reached out and, and suggested doing a, a dual q and I was all for it. I knew it'd be fun because, uh, you know, I know how good you are debating and I know you don't shy away from the, the hot topics on, on social media, but I thought it'd be a fun little just uh, just a little natural uh, segment sure. from both of us yeah. without without too much preparation, I think, for content sake, you know. Uh, you know, I'll be kind of a, a devil's advocate sometimes and, and take up, you know, random sides against you and just like debate, to, sure. you know, to me what, and then debate to me, like why you think it's right or wrong or whatever, just so we can kind of give maybe a full spectrum of views for everybody listening, not yeah. necessarily like yeah. just what I think or something. But uh, I think I think it'll make for some good conversation. Eh? For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think the uh, the one thing I always stress to people is, uh, you know, there's multiple opinions out there and like, I think everything works different for different people. Right. So yeah. it's not that one size uh, fits all for goaltending, especially. So yeah. the more, the more opinions you can get and uh, form like your own, it, it's, it's important. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's jump right in then. And, and like I said, no introduction necessary. So the way today's episode is going to work is, uh, members from both the, the goalie hacks and Matt Smith goaltending communities have submitted their recorded questions to be featured on the show. And so thank you to everyone for, uh, who submitted their questions. We appreciate all the interest. And, and unfortunately given all the submissions, we, we can't pick everybody's. So we've picked about, uh, seven or eight different questions and we're going to play each one and then jump into our take and, uh, why, uh, why, and have some fun. So let's jump into it and get into our first question. My name is Noel Sanofsky. I'm from Moorhead, Minnesota. And my question is, what advice would you give to a 16 to 17 year old undrafted goaltender? Thank you, Noel, for sending in your question. And, and maybe Matt, you can just start us off. What advice you have for an undrafted 16 year old goaltender? Yeah, I th you know, what's funny, like, honestly, like I get this question a lot for, for players that are undrafted as they go, they slip through the draft. And, um, you know, for me, the first and most important thing I would say is like self-reflecting on um, not only potentially why you didn't get selected, um, mm. but on top of that, like, I think the biggest thing is being honest with yourself and your game, right? Like usually drafts happen and there's a lot of picks that go by, right? Like, so there's a reason why yeah. with the exception of lack of exposure, which is pretty rare nowadays, right? Like if we look at players, like most, yes. of the, most of the time, like if you're playing anywhere, they're going to find it. Right. So I think you have to be the first and most important thing is to be honest with yourself as a player. Like I think too many goalies um, make built in excuses for why they weren't picked um, instead of self-reflecting. I think it's always better to kind of take notes on why maybe you think you didn't get selected um, and yeah. be honest with yourself. Like it, with the exception, like I was doing this the other day, I was, I forget somebody sent the, um, a tweet out about like the, the franchise leaders and wins, um, in the NHL, like for each franchise. And it was kind of funny, like the tweet, I went back and looked and I think like 33% of the franchise leaders and wins were first round picks. And then there was another, or wow. it was 66%, it was 66% that, wow. that franchise leaders in wins were first round picks. And then the other percentage were late or undrafted players. Right. So 
with the outliers being the players that are really, really great athletes, the guys that go in the top two rounds, those guys will always be there. They'll always be your competition. But if yeah. you're not in the, that top echelon of goaltenders, there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to understand that if you're not in that top echelon, you have to make sure that you work twice as hard as those players because they're always going to be there right. and they're always going to, you're always going to be competing with them. So I think the first thing is to say, listen, like I am not good enough as a goaltender right now. There's nothing wrong with that because most of the guys selected aren't good enough to play. But at the end of the yeah. day, the honesty is really important. You have to sit down and say, okay, I'm not good enough as a player yet. It has nothing to do with me as a person, but as a player, I'm not good enough. So what do I need to do to get to a level where I am good enough? And that's the first step is self-reflection and being honest as a player. I think, like I said, dude, too many players, yeah. um, you know, are, are think that they're good enough and they just didn't get seen or, or, or if I was taller, like I get that excuse a lot. I'm sure you hear that a lot. <laughs> if I was taller, yeah. I would be, I would be drafted, right? Like, and I'm like, listen, like, it doesn't have anything to do with size. It has everything to do with your ability right now, but it doesn't mean yeah. you can't be good down the road. Right. So like, I would say yeah, the first yeah, thing yeah. is you have to self reflect. The second thing is you have to start to manage some goals. Like you have to start to say, okay, what are, mm. once you self reflect, what are my short term goals? What are my long term goals? And what are my goals that are somewhere in between and start to look at them from a perspective of technical, tactical, mental and emotional, right? If you hit all those areas, mm -hmm. now you're in a position where you're going to start to naturally attract people to your game because you're going to be good enough to play at that level, right? So from my perspective, and then the next, the final step is execution, right? Like at the end of the day, you have Absolutely. to go out and execute that on, on a daily basis, right? And I think that's where players, that's, that's actually the hardest part, right? Is, is execution. Um, but again, like to be able to execute well, you have to go back to the self-reflection stage and, and ask yourself, why do you want to get to that next level? Right. Um, we talked about this a little bit before the show about how difficult pro hockey is and, and it's not always what you see yeah. in the national hockey, league, right? So from my perspective, um, you have to have a really deep rooted why on why you want to play professional hockey or why you want to be a division one hockey player or why you want to play in the Ontario yeah. league, whatever the, whatever your, your short-term goals are, long-term goals are, you have to have a deep rooted why on why you want to be a professional athlete. And I think that goes back to that self-reflection stage. So to be able to execute, um, I think a lot of it comes back down to your why. Um, and I think Simon Sinek, Sinek uh, is a good, uh, he, he has a good book. I forget the name of the book. Um, but yeah, it, I, know, I know, I know him. He's, uh, love him. It's, it's something like, um, find your why I think is the name of it. So if you guys like all any listeners out there, like I would recommend reading that, um, you know, I, I forget the the title, but I think that's the title of it. Um, but Simon Sinek's the author and, and he dives deep into like finding really what your purpose is and, and finding your why. And I think that's a big, big part of it for sure. So that would be my advice yeah. to yeah. young players is like really dig deep within yourself. I don't think, I think too often too, like, they get focused on like what everyone thinks, you know, like they think about like, you know, Absolutely. what the scout thinks, what this goalie coach thinks or, and they think the world's coming to an end. But at the end of the day, as a 16 year old player, you know, 
the, the, your career has really just started. Right. And I think that's the one thing to, to keep in mind. And you can really start to write the script if you want to just based on executing what your, your, your game plan is. Right. So, cause there's a lot of people now with social media, there's a lot of distractions and now more than ever execution is such a deadly characteristic. If you can execute things, um, you know, and execute game plans, you're going to be more successful than 90% of the goaltenders out there for sure. So kind of a long winded way of, of, of answering, but that's what I'd focus on. It's, it's really comes inward to me. So excellent answer. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and maybe I'll kind of lead off that, uh, just with a, uh, with a story, uh, you know, just, just because, you know, I, I, that happened to me, right? Like I, I was undrafted to the OHL and, and, um, you know, I think at the time I, my ego kind of got in the way a little bit where I was a little bit sour because of it. Um, and then I remember in the spring, I went to, uh, I went to skate, I went to junior tryouts and I got lit up. Like I got absolutely lit up and, and that really kind of, you know, kicked it into me that, you know, this is going to like, I need to be better. Right. So you talk about that conversation of like, you really need to self-reflect and look inward after the draft. And that was something that I didn't necessarily do. I was, I was like kind of sour about it. Oh, I should have this, I should have that. And then when I went and tried out for all those junior teams in the spring, I got lit up and I realized that, okay, maybe I just wasn't good enough. And, and I wasn't standout-ish enough to, to achieve that feat. Right. So, um, you know, you talk about your career just started and, and it's, it's really like so many guys, when they hit that 16 year old spot, they think it's like, it's a make or break point in their career when really, really that's the start of the next level of your career. Everything that you've done up until that point is preparing you for the next level, right? All the routines and everything you developed and all that stuff. So what happened with me was it kind of kicked the crap out of me a little bit. Um, and, and and you talk about finding your why, and it really made me find my why. My why was just like, I was just so, I was just uh, in, internally so committed to like proving everybody wrong that like looked me in the eye and said like, sure. yeah, you're this or that. And that was my why. And everybody has different whys. Maybe you're like not well off or maybe your parents have put yeah. a lot into your hockey or you know what I mean? Stuff yeah, like 100%. that. So given, you know, when, when that happens, how do you move on from that? You're saying self-reflection, stuff like that. You know, how do you really move past that though to to have like a successful career if if you don't get drafted to the to the OHL? Like, what's what's sort of, you know, uh, and, and maybe I'll actually uh, backtrack a little bit. You talk about goal setting. So once I got undrafted, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, me and my dad sat down. And we said, okay, this is this is the road. Okay, we're gonna do prep or this and this and this. If not this and that by this yeah. year, not this by that. And we and we we made a whole a whole roadmap. Of like, hey, this is where we want to be yeah. by then. We have some runway. We have two, three years. You have four years, this, that. And so yeah. it keeps you in line over the long term. So maybe you can touch on that a little bit more. For sure. So like the the first thing, so I totally agree with what you're saying. And, that, and I think you put it best by saying have a roadmap. Like, and even if you look back at the difficulty we've had during these quarantines, during these lockdowns, that can relate a lot to, you know, hockey seasons and, and drafts and stuff along those lines, because it was tough for a while. We, we saw mental health took a big hit for a lot of people because there was no goal setting. There was no, yeah. we didn't know what the future was going to look like and we right. still don't. Right. So I think it's, it's, it's important to understand that that's why goals are there. 
they're, they're not always going to be achieved, but they're there to make sure that, you know, you stay on the right path. So getting over, getting undrafted, the best way to do it is to set new goals, set a couple goals that you want to try to hit and try to achieve them. But I think one thing that's important to touch on, Mike, is, is you have to first separate player from person. Okay, not enough people mm-hmm. do that, right? So if I don't get drafted, that doesn't make me a worse person. I'm the same person I was, right. you know, and, I'm, I'm, and I think a lot of people don't separate that, right? So they're like, if I don't get drafted, like, oh, this is the be all and end all. It's like, listen, you're still the same person. You can still be successful, okay? It just, it shifts a little bit. It changes. But I think before yeah. you can really self-reflect, that's the number one thing is separate player from person, okay? They're not the same. Because what happens a lot of times is when you connect both, your ego is, is you're really ego driven more than anything, right? And yes, I think exactly. that's the biggest thing. You can't make rational decisions when, you know, your ego's interfering with them. And, and so that's an important mm-hmm. note as well. And something I didn't touch on, but on the first answer, but I would say before you start setting those goals, you have to separate the two. Okay. Um, and that's an important yeah. part. Um, but once you do that, the roadmap, like you said, is the biggest thing and be detailed with it. Like so many players, like they don't take time for this. Like they just kind of, but again, like I go back to like what we've dealt with, with all these lockdowns and quarantines and, you know, wearing masks and all this stuff. And like, it comes back to the fact that like mental health has taken a hit because there's no immediate kind of goal for the future. And there's so much uncertainty. So right. if you make it more certain by saying, this mm-hmm. is the path I want to go down, you're not only mm-hmm. one, you're going to be happier, which is a side effect, right? But, but two, yeah, yeah. when something bad happens, it doesn't really change anything. You know, like I go this, I go no, over this all the time exactly. with my goals too, right? Like you have a bad game. Okay. Does that mean we change the whole game plan that we just put together? Like probably not, right? Like we're probably still <laughs> no. saying, okay, this is what we're, we're deficient at. We're going to keep working on those deficiencies, right? Like, and I find even with coaches, like they'll, they'll see a game where I don't know, goalie gives up three goals through traffic. Right. So then the next week I see the goalie working on, on only traffic work, right. Or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And that's just an example. And the, the, the actual breakdown of, of the stats of the player, he might be better off, better suited to work on something totally different, but we we right. we become so much more reactionary than we need to be when we don't have mm-hmm. a game plan. So I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. And you 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 use the word roadmap, and that's a that's I think I actually like that better. Um, where I think if you have a roadmap and a game plan, people spend so little time on it. And I and I just I stress to the players, I'm like, have that game plan for, and I say short medium goals and long goals, right? Like try to have a game plan for yeah. what you want to achieve with all of them and then break them down into your categories. You can't really be too detail oriented with that stuff. So that, that would be the biggest, well, the best so many, way. There's so many things that. you can't control along the way, right? Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So that would be the best way to get over being un, undrafted is, is, is to self-reflect. And then once you self-reflect, it's just like similar to giving up a goal. You, you know, you got to let it go. You move on. And you just move on to the next shot. And it's the same thing, you know, going forward for these young athletes. Like your career's just beginning. You got to move on and move on to the next, the next step and the next yeah. stage. And 
that's ultimately what's going to, you know, pull vote you forward over some of the, some of the other athletes that maybe can't get over, you know, being undrafted or, or getting drafted late or whatever the case may be. Yeah. 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 And, and I will, uh, you know, maybe another tip too is, uh, you know, we have this, we have this gift. I, I, you know, and I wrote an ebook on it, right. And it's honors Erickson, you know, talks about how we have uh, the gift of adaptability within us. Right. And so, 100%. you know, we talk about, we want to be careful about making that transition too early, but something that helped me a lot, I will say, like, and I said, like, you know, even though I got shelled when I went to those junior tryouts, it really woke me up. It gave me experience, you know? So a lot of, a yeah. lot of people out there are, are saying, Oh, it's a money grab. I don't want to go to it there. I don't want to go to that. Well, how are you ever going to know what to expect at the junior level or how are you supposed to prepare for that level if you don't actually go out there and give yourself a shot, whether you can, you're going to fail or, or be successful, right? Um, and, sure. and the winners kind of know that, hey, and, and, I, and I even, you know, in, in pro, when I would go up to, you know, the ECHL, like that first day, like you're getting lit up, like it's just different. Yeah. But then you adjust, you know, there's that adjustment period and you adjust to it over time and um, you know, you just got to be process oriented, like in, in your development. Right. So that would, that would be yeah. like a, a suggestion for me is that, Hey, if you're not undrafted, if you got, if you went undrafted too, maybe get on the ice with some junior teams, maybe go to some rookie camps, get yeah. some experience, see what it's like. What do you think about that? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Right. Like, I think it's all comes down to mindset too. Like, and you talked about like, you know, you know, not only players, but even parents like talking about like, Oh, they don't want to, go to a junior camp because you know it could be a money grab and like and all honesty like it might be a bit of a money grab it might yeah like there is there is a potential that it is but well there's the a good chance day, like, that it probably is right like a significant 100%. amount of people that pay are not even going to get a look right a hundred percent and i think for you like it's all about mindset it's like it, am i am i as you stated process oriented and sticking with the process all the way through. And if that's the case, like all I'm trying to do to get there is yes, exposure is good. Like, that's great. But like at the end of the day, like, am I getting better as a goaltender? Am I experiencing mm -hmm. enough to really push the boundaries of what I'm capable of? Exactly. And if that's the case, then you're not going to care really if it's a money grab because you're there to experience it and get better as a player. And, and that's the mind. You're, you're getting something out of it. Right? Yeah. hundred percent. It comes back to mindset. Right. And that's, and that's the mindset of a, of a player that, you know, ultimately wouldn't care if they got on, they went undrafted because, you know, it, it, it's just, it's another, you know, it's, it's another day. You got to move forward. Like I, I had a goalie. Um, yeah. So I'll give you a, guys a little story. So I, I don't, I haven't run this by them, so I won't use their name. Um, but I had a goaltender that had a, had a PTO, um, you know, so that, so for people that don't know, that's a professional uh, oh, tryout. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he had a PTO, um, and it was with an NHL organization uh, to go to their American League uh, team, so their farm team. And uh, it was during COVID, and you know he got to the border, and they he had a letter from the NHL team saying he could cross and all this stuff. He got to the border and he got stopped, like they just would not let him across. They would not let him go, and so he wow. had to go home and and reorganize and they tried to get him a different work visa and eventually the gm called them and said hey listen we got another goalie like so you know good luck with your wow. season like that's the luck like that's it that was the that was a shot he lost it and i remember like wow calling him after and be like hey man you know like and and kind of a fault of my own like kind of being like hey i'm so sorry like 
this happened, like more being a, a little bit more of a shoulder cry on. And, and I was impressed with him. And yeah. the first thing he said, he's like, he's like, all right, like it, it happened, you know, like there's nothing I can do about it. He's like, let's, when do we start? Like, when do we get back to training? And that was to me, <laughs> solidified a guy, like that's a mindset of a pro, right? Like he just embraced yeah. it. He's like, mindset listen, a winner, it happens. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And this is, and the, the crazy part is this is the same guy. So, so People don't know this, but what happened in the National Hockey League uh, last year was there was a change in the CBA. So basically, the collective bargaining agreement is what the players vote on, you know, every couple of years. Um, and yeah. GMs kind of made a, an error. And what happened was with the new CBA, you had to register players for your rookie camp or something along those lines for at a certain date. and Right. GMs forgot that new rule that was in place. So there was a bunch of players last year that didn't get to go to their tryouts because there was a, there was wow. just a, a basic mistake. And you know, what's funny, the same guy who, who didn't get his PTO, he also was supposed to go to an NHL camp that year and didn't get it because he, they missed wow. that deadline. He's the same guy. Yeah, he's the same guy. So he's missed. He's missed two major opportunities with an NHL hockey team. Right, and he still has the mindset that, okay, well, what are we doing yes. Monday? Right, like, like he doesn't. You right. know what I mean? It doesn't register. And to me, that was such a good example. Next, next, next. Exactly. It's like okay, like it happened. Like, like things. And there's a good quote, like where it's you know, and I forget, you know, who this originated by, but. The quote is like life doesn't happen to you; it happens for you, right? And I think that's a. Mm. I've always thought that's a really good quote, right? And it's just it's short, it's sweet, it's to the point. Like, you know, maybe this is happening for a reason, and maybe I have to self reflect on why I'm getting better. Like, so if you're not if you're not drafted, you know, maybe you have to self reflect and figure out a new avenue. Maybe that avenue takes you down a different road that you have successful, mm. and it might not even be success in hockey. Right. Like it could be a total different yeah, path exactly. that takes you in, into where you should yep. be. Right. And I think that's the big thing to remember is like, this is such a journey. Um, but the mindset of keep moving forward, keep pushing forward is really what's going to get you through. Right. It's not always going to be, we talked, I talked about this earlier on in the show. Like, you know, there's, there's the outliers that are first round picks and, and I'm not saying they get handed anything. That's not what, not my point, but, but they're going to, it's going right. to be a little bit easier for a first round pick than an undrafted player. There's no yeah. question. Right. But at the end of the day, they only want guys that can stop the puck. Right. So if you keep moving yeah. forward, keep getting better, space business, right. hundred percent. So, so that's the biggest thing for me. And uh, you know, it can't be stated enough, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well with that, let's uh, let's jump into our next question. Hello, I'm Nicholas line from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And my question is what do uh, goalies or teams look for at tryouts for goalies. Uh, thank you, Nick, for sending in your question. And he asked, what do coaches or teams look for at tryouts for goalies? Appreciate the engagement. And uh, maybe I'll actually kick this one off, Nick. Um, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, coaches really want to see, you know, that uh, one, you have that compete level and that you want to win games. And two, that you're a good teammate and that you're going to mesh well um, inside the room. And those would be two big things for me because when, when you show up to camp and, and we kind of talked about, uh, uh, you know, we talked about going, going to money grabs and stuff like that, right? When you show up to camp, are you standing out as a number one or two guy? 
or are you letting in the fifth most goals or the sixth most goals? So I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, we, we touched on it is that one, like results do matter, but ultimately coaches want to see that one, you have that compete level and two, that you can, you can mesh with the guys in the chemistry inside the room. Uh, what do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, like obviously, like and and this is a, this is a really good question, and and another one that you know I get a lot, I get asked a lot from from parents and clients and um, different people in the hockey world, and I think like everyone's a little bit different on what they're looking for. So this isn't again, this is not a one size fits all uh, answer, but like I can only kind of speak for what I would look for. Like when I'm scouting a goalie or an athlete, like I and you touched on it briefly, like. I'm looking for things that are harder to teach. Right. So like the first one that you touched on was character, right? Like, and, and part of that is compete level. You know, how are you with teammates, stuff along those lines, you know, character is something it's really hard to revamp and and teach. So that's, that's, that's the reason why I bring that one up first is because that's in your control, right? So, you know, how you act around people is always in your control, how you prepare, um does the player show up on time for everything um all stuff that you know you should be doing it's again we're just reiterating that where that's the number one thing and that's within your control um the second thing i would say is like from a scouting perspective i look for like more intangible stuff right so for me like Mm. i i always get this question about size and for me it has a lot less to do with size as it does to do as it has to do with frame so there's a difference right Mm -hmm. like like people always are like oh like am i tall enough i'm like it's not really how tall you are it's how you actually frame the net right so 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 how are you how are you you're saying even how you play like within your identity kind of thing yeah like so but i just mean even more shape in the net like like you know like we see guys that are six foot four that look really small and then we see guys that are five ten that look really big in the net you know so for me, like shape, shape is the, is one thing that's really hard to, to teach. So I think that's an important thing and, and frame in the net, um, you know, and then that's one aspect that's really important, but then obviously like athleticism, um, not so much in your control, but I look for like, is a goaltender athletic enough to play at a certain level? Um, but that's a long-term thing that you should always be working on and getting better to become more athletic as, as an athlete. Um, and then, and then the final one, which I still believe is in your control is, is being able to read the play. Um, you know, Mm. we see goalies nowadays, like I, I ask goalies if they watch hockey, like, and that sounds so like basic, but there's so many players that like, they can't even remember the last hockey game they've watched. Like, and I mean, watched it, like actually watched the full game, not watched, you know, the highlights on, 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 uh, Instagram or whatever, you know, being able to play yeah, like you see so many goalies, like like every goalie in the NHL has such different styles. Like if you go from team to team and you yeah. literally break it down and look and say, okay, you know, how does this guy play this position versus another guy? They're so different in the way they play in styles. But the one thing, the one common thing that every goalie has in common in the National League is they could all read the play at an exceptional level, right? Mm-hmm. So those would be the key areas that I kind of look for. So obviously some of those are out of your control. Frame is in your control a little bit. Height isn't right. So, so there's, that's not as much in your control, but if we look at character, that's in your control. We look at being able to read the play. I believe that's in your control because you can get, you can get smarter as a player. 
And that goes back to what we talked about with experience, right? Those, those aspects. And then athleticism is another one. That's those are of those aspects we talked about. A lot of those are in your control, right? So as a player, that's where I kind of geared towards like looking at kind of things that it's harder for me as a coach to teach, but as a player, you can certainly take control of them. So that's the aspects that I look at. And then you look into the other aspects of the technical side. The technical side would probably for me be something that's much easier to teach. And that that might just be a personal thing for me. Like every coach is a bit different, but as a goaltending coach, I can I always know that I can teach efficiency and I can teach technique. And over the long run, they'll start yeah. to learn the technical side. So that to me weighs a little bit, you know, less important. Um, you know, but if you get a goalie coach that's maybe a little more old school they may value technical a little higher because they maybe don't consider themselves a strong technical uh, teacher of the game. So that, but that for me is where I weigh in. And, and I would say like, I look at things that are more um, difficult for me as a coach to teach. And, and those are kind of the, the four or five things that, that I look for, you know, for when I'm scouting a goalie anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess another thing too is um, preparation right? Like showing up to camp yeah. in shape and, and, you know, like if, if you got fitness tests and you might think that they're stupid and that whatever, and they don't, they don't matter. But I think that, you know, if you're somebody coming into an organization that you're unfamiliar with, with the, the people or the personnel coming in prepared, yeah. showing people that you put in the work and the time and the commitment sure. and the consistency to show up to camp ready to go. I think that, yeah. that says a lot about your character too, right? Yeah, that that's a hundred percent right. Like that, that goes right into that character bucket that we talked about. Like it's, yeah. it's really like comes down to like, yeah, you know what, at the end of the day, like, you know, if you can post a 14 on the beep test or, you know, you can squat a certain amount of weight, like, does that have a huge impact on your play? Maybe, maybe not. But at the end of the yeah. day, it does show that you're committed as an athlete to getting exactly. better. Right. Like, and that's what, it, and that is a, that goes a long way. Like, and you talked about being prepared, like, that it's a character thing. Like if we look at like what the end goal, yeah. like if I'm a coach, if I'm a head coach, let's, let's shift away from the goalie coach side. If I'm a head coach, my goal at the beginning of the year and every head coach's goal should be the same is to win a championship. So how do you, mm -hmm. what's the one way where, you know, you got a good chance of winning. If you build your team around having character individuals in, in the dressing room, or I guess for the Americans, the locker room, they call it the locker room, right? If you build it around, <laughs> we're all the American folks there. We, us Canadians, we call it dressing room, right? Um, but oh, everything we got a we got different vernacular for everything, man. Exactly, exactly. We say a a lot more, right? Um, but anyways, oh, yeah. if you build it around, if you build it around character individuals and character players, you're going to have more success than if you don't, right? It's the easiest way to, to build your team. So as a goaltender, it's, it's, it's honestly a non-negotiable anymore. Exactly. I would say. Exactly. Especially with the knowledge we have now. Any, any championship or anybody yeah. who wins like character and, and, and what I even teach in like my mentorship program, I always start with developing elite mindset and character because I mean, you look at me, right? Like I'm, I'm freaking five, seven on a good day. Like, you know what I mean? So obviously yeah. I didn't, 
make pro hockey because of my physical ability necessarily right like yeah you know, a lot of it sure. a lot of it came because of that thing between my between my ears right and and uh exactly. i'm noticing exactly. it now that just throughout my career you know it was always like i was i was it was always like i just needed one coach right you know and, and i will say like for me you know throughout my career i didn't have like a, a million coaches like tripping over me and that was something that I know gave me an edge at every level I went to like guys wanted me because they knew that I just was so hungry to get better every day and so hungry to win games yeah. that they wanted their character. They, they wanted that character inside the, inside their dressing room, no matter how I looked on the ice. And I think that's something that it's become a non-negotiable for most coaches at the next level, because without chemistry, without meshing, without people pushing each other every day, you're not going to grow enough before the end of the year. You're not going to come together enough by the end of the year in order in order to win a championship, right? For sure. Without question. Yeah, it gives you more options as a player, right? Like, if even if you're a guy that's maybe a little less talented, um, you know, and but you have exceptional character and you work really hard, you're seen as a as a person that's not going to disrupt the, the dressing room. Exactly. You're not going to be a problem. You're you're going to be pretty low maintenance. But on top of that, you're going to push the other players to be better, even if you're not starting every game, right? So that's where character gives you, I would say, more lives as a player. It just, it gives yeah, you a bit more absolutely. insurance, right, as a player. And that, and that goes a long way, especially like we talk about when you, you know, go up to professional hockey, you know, basically having extra insurance and, and extra lives as a player is huge because you don't know what's around the corner, especially in professional hockey, right? Like, especially with you know, teams turning over players all the time, you don't know when you'd need that next shot. So it just gives you, does it, if you, at the end of the day, if you can't stop the puck, it's not going to matter. You could be the best person on planet earth. They're not going to take yeah. it. But <laughs> if you're pretty good and you have enough ability you know, and you have good character, it just gives you a little bit of extra insurance there that, you know, mm. coaches may give you an extra chance. They may give you an extra look. And I think that sometimes is just enough. That's that crack in that door that we talked about that might be your chance yeah. where you take off. You know what I mean? Right. And I think, um, that's, I honestly, that's and, 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 and it, that's, that's exactly like what happened with me. Right. Because, you yeah. know, we, we talked about just, uh, you know, in the in the kind of the 08 to like 15 years, you know, it was sort of the Jaguar era. That was like right yeah. when I was trying to make the transition to the next level. Right. Um, For sure. sure. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's the, the character. I, I can't stress enough that that has just been in my career. It's been a, if you want to call it a hack, I would, because there have been a yeah. lot of times where, OK, on paper, they're the, this is the same, this is the same, this is the same. He's taller, but the character's better here. Like a lot of guys value that a lot more. And I will say that for me, it yeah. has provided me with an exceptional amount of opportunity in my career that my reputation, when guys ask about me, they're like, yeah, that kid has character. He shows up every day to work first, and he wants yeah. to win. Yeah, it's the first thing that comes to mind, right? Like, and I think that there still is a human element to like we haven't got to a point, like I know analytics has taken over a little bit more and it's become more prevalent, but there still is a human element to, to evaluation. And, yes. and at the end of the day, whether you think so or not, there's going to be a bias towards a player that has really good character. If the coach really likes your character, he's going to want you to succeed, right? Yeah. There is a human level still to evaluation that, that we still have. So 
that's another aspect as well. You have to take that into consideration. And and that's what I stress to players too, to put yourself into the best, you know, possible situation available. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well with that, let's uh, jump into our next question. I'm Derek Namlik and I'm from Littleton, Colorado. Uh, my, my question would be how to get better at tracking the shots that are super close. Like when a player is, a couple feet in front of you. What is a good way to train how to track those pucks into your glove and blocker when you have almost no time to react to them? Thank you, Derek, for sending in your question. And what's the best way to train how to track pucks in tight when you have almost no time to react to the shooter? And Matt, maybe you can just uh, touch on this. Yeah, so I, I, it's a very good question. And honestly, if I'm being totally honest, it's a challenge that we face as coaches all the time, right? Because the, the play happens so quickly. There's not a lot of time to react in tight. The number one thing I would say is you have to make sure positionally you're sound, right? Like, because a lot of it is being able to take away space. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at a lot of plays in tight, it comes down to taking away space, net awareness, and being patient, right? Those are kind of the three things. And I'll just touch quickly on those. Like, so I would say the sure. number one thing is, is, is being patient on your feet. If that's, if you can do that in tight, it just allows you to cover so much more space. And I think that's the, that's one of the big things. And then the second thing is being able to, to be positionally sound. Like if we have good net coverage, chances are the puck's going to hit us in tight. So I think that's, can't be overstressed. Um, as far as being able to track pucks in tight, obviously you, you, if you're asking that question, you're probably somebody that's working on tracking constantly. I think that's all you really can do. Now, what you can do, though, is learn to read the stick better. That's a one value um, mm. part of the game that's really missed, right? Like being able to read the stick and understand, you know, what shooters' blades look like when they open up. That's kind of a, becoming a lost art. And I think that's something that can, yeah. can come with experience. Um, but on top of that, like we, we touched on this, like watching and understanding the game you know, experience is so important and that's in tight more than, more than anything. Um, that's, that's an essential skill to be able to read the stick and read the play. But one other thing I, I would want to touch on on that is I want my goal is specifically to feel super free to react on what they anticipate is going to happen in tight areas. Mm-hmm. So I don't want them to be right. super tight and stiff. And I don't want them to, to say like, I have to have this type of structure in tight. I want them to get themselves into a good position, but then out of that position in tight, I want you to react. I want you to be open and free to just react to whatever you see and whatever you anticipate is going to happen that we have different, like my goalie specifically, we have different zones on the ice. So that would be a reactionary zone, anything in tight in that tighter. And you can have different um, structure on what's what uh, markings you want to make your zones, but anything in tight i'm i i tell my guys feel free to do whatever it takes to get in front of the puck and that's where it's it's your zone like outside zones i always say that's kind of my zones like i want you structured i want you playing the right way in tight that's your zone feel free to be creative feel free to do what it takes to cover that space and that's probably my biggest piece of advice really good question but it's it's a tough one to answer because specifically tracking it's a little bit more challenging to answer because it's you're you're probably doing a lot of tracking drills. Just keep doing those, 
But I think the biggest thing is like, look at your positioning, make sure your frame, you're in the right position to be able to react and then let yourself be free in that spot. And I think you'll be successful and tight. Um, but that's the biggest thing, yeah. thing for me. Yeah. 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 I actually have a little bit of a hack and it's something that, uh, like I've worked on before is, is, you know, uh, cause I've been, I, you show guys like, Hey, this is what happens if you project your hands, but then some guys, they don't, exactly. they don't actually, they don't aim them properly. Right. So they're projecting them, yes. but they're not right. actually breaking the plane of the trajectory of yes. that puck. Right. Yeah. And so something yeah, that I actually like to do in a, in a little hack for a drill to kind of develop, uh, you know, in tight, how do you kind of suffocate those pucks when they get in around your body? So it's like a 99.9% chance that you're in front of it. Exactly. What I do is I kind of like in my butterfly and I'll have a guy go back and forth and I'll track him with my glove and he'll try and like elevate it. So yeah. I'm constantly, constantly trying to line up my glove with the, with the, with the stick and get in front of it. Um, because a big yeah. thing I notice is when you get to the games and you're trying to, you know, we, we always want to have those pucks in tight because we have the best coverage, but we don't practice it enough. And then you're always like off oh, an inch or something, or you didn't exactly. explain a little bit, right? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, that's exactly what I was, what I was talking about. Like anything in tight, like, and I think to answer the question, like, I think both of us kind of answered in the same way in yeah. the sense that like in tight has way more to do with, with trajectory of the puck rather than your actual tracking. It's not that tracking is not important. It is, but there's still science at the end of the day. Like if so somebody's shooting your body, from, it's all about how you're framing the net, right? hundred percent. Right. And that's, if I had to, if I had to kind of put, you know, one of the biggest differences on paper between professional athletes and even junior athletes, I would say like pros know where the net is and they have so much more awareness of where the net is and what's available to the shooter than junior players do because you yeah. can see based on their reaction they know what space needs to be covered so right. i to answer that question i would say that's way more to do with with projecting the puck than it does actual tracking um yeah. but if you are still tracking it might have to do with just the angle your body's on as well so that's something to point out like if you're a little bit too straight with the back or you're not over the puck enough your or your chin's not down you're not going to be able to see the puck as it comes off um, and that, mm -hmm. that might have something to do with too. So look into maybe body position um, issues as well. Like maybe, maybe for him, like he can take some video um, and just look at like, okay, am I positioned in the right spot? Um, if you do take video, yeah. my suggestion is uh, get the camera to ice level though. Cause like, like Mike was talking about with the projection of the hands, that's going to get the best, the yeah. best view. When you do practice it, like one suggestion I would have is like, just put the camera on ice level. That's what I do with some of my goalies and you'll be able to see like kind of what angle I'm taking on the puck and that's going to help you. But again, yeah. like I can't stress enough. It has way more to do with projection probably than like tracking yeah. the puck and, and body position as yeah. well. So that, that would be my and, kind and, of and that's why I, answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I mentioned like that was the biggest thing that I kind of just noticed from a fundamental standpoint was yeah. when I just all those pucks in tights, when I when I really focused on, you know, how quickly could I come to that spot and be accurate and projecting it and cutting off yeah. that plane? You know, when when you For start sure. thinking of the game in terms of, uh, uh, I mean, not everybody thinks in the game, but that's sort of how I've always thought of the game is is in trajectories, yeah. even back in the 90s when there was no such thing as like box control and they were teaching us the windmill yeah. and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you were yeah. actually, you would have been right a part of that era too, right? 
Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm getting old now. Like we weren't even close to head trajectory. Like we did, we did have stuff where we talked about being over the puck, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a head trajectory yet. It was no. very minimal. But they've expanded like so much more on technical oh, side. Like with crazy. that, it's it's unbelievable, right? Like the players now have such an advantage. Goalies, excuse me, have such an advantage now than than they used to have because there's so much knowledge out there with this stuff. But yeah, that, that's changed quite a bit without question. Yeah, it's it's changed a lot. Well, well, with that, let's uh, let's jump into our next question. Hi, Coach Matt and Mike. Me and Jason here. Is there a height limit for goalies for D1 or pro hockey? Thanks, Noel, again for uh, your question and, and not trying to, to play favorite here, but we but there were a good amount of, of submissions for questions and we picked the ones we thought would make for, for the best content. Obviously, very hot topic, and actually, you, you, Matt, you and I, uh, you and I, kind of touched on this one uh, earlier before we got on the call in terms of the height thing. And maybe I'll just I'll just start off quickly and say, you know, um, uh, no, I don't think there is. Um, I think that things have changed quite dramatically, and the reason for that has been because of the way the game has changed. Like you're just seeing the game get so much quicker, so much more skill based that the game has actually shifted in the favor of the guy who's not like six, eight, six, five, but the guys who are more in that mid mid height, but have that mobility. Mobility is just such a huge, huge thing. Now you're even seeing it in the minor pro levels. Uh, there's, there's some more smaller guys that are able to kind of crack in the lineup now, whereas it, a while back, you know, in the Jeff Lurg days, you know, uh, they wouldn't even let him play like, uh, uh, in the AHL or something like that. You know what I mean? So I think things have changed dramatically because people kind of understand that the game has changed and that it's actually moved in the favor of the more skilled and maybe a little smaller guy. But I will say this too, that there aren't a significant amount of guys who are at the, 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 the bottom of the spectrum in terms of height that can compete at that level, right? Like you're playing at a pro level, you go to the NHL level, you're facing Alex Ovechkin, 235, 6% body fat, you know, fastest shot in the world. Like if you're 5'5 five, five and you're only a buck 50, like, you know, you're going to have probably a hard time, you know, you're going to get pushed around in the show and all that stuff. So I will say this because obviously I'm a small guy and, and I do not think that height should limit you, but I will say that it is significantly harder to play as a smaller guy. You have to be just as strong as the big guys. You have to be just as fast. Um, you have to be able to keep up with everybody. If they push you around, you got to be able to put up with it, right? So um, I, I, I obviously, I, maybe I'm biased, but I think that a lot of people are kind of seeing it now that there are there are small guys out there who have the work ethic, the character, and the uh, and the talent and the skill set to compete at those levels. But uh, it's it's moving in our favor what, uh, uh, more and more, but you're seeing it at the NHL level. They're just finding bigger guys that are more mobile now, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, I still think they're, we're still, I mean, obviously like, and you touched on it a bit, like we would be lying if, if we said that, you know, it's, it's easier to be smaller rather than bigger. It's probably the opposite. Like it is easier to be a bigger guy. Um, but number one, like you only can control so much, right? That's the yeah. first thing, like you can't control your height. So, um, <laughs> you know, but you can control and we wish we could. Right. But, um, but you yeah. can control. I, I, yeah, I, uh, I, Sorry, jump in. I was just going to say, I, I literally, when I was like 14, 15, uh, I think I just cracked like five feet at like 14. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then my time I was like 15 for my draft year, I was like five, three. And I was like, you know what? Like, 
I'm probably not going to get much bigger. Like I'm going to have to figure out a way to do it at the size I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It comes to a point where reality hits and you just got to, you, you kind of are what you are and you got to make the best of it. But back to the kind of the question. Um, yeah, no, we see more players now. Like I, I think I, the one thing I say to like, the the hockey world is it goes in cycles, right? So, yeah, if you're sure. a guy that's smaller right now, um, the good news is it only takes one breakthrough for the hockey world to change completely. And you know we're seeing UC Saros get more starts. You know if he starts playing really you know, well, like obviously the season hasn't gone the way the Nashville's wanted it to, but all it takes is for him to dominate and ha- and play really well. And the next thing you know general managers are more open to taking smaller guys. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. and you could be the guy that breaks through. Right. So I think that's the one thing to remember is like, it just takes one, you know, there's a reason why there was a shift to bigger players, uh, bigger goaltenders um, for a long period of time, you know, because that was what the model of success was for the longest time, you know, and it just takes one or two to go the other way. But if we revisit what we talked about earlier, you are in control of your shape in the net and your frame. That is one thing that's in your control. Yeah. This is why doing video is really important, right? Like, what do I look like to the shooter? What do I look like in the net? Because there's a lot of guys that play, they're six foot four and they play really small. Um, they have a lot of trouble covering holes underneath their arms and through them. And you see some other guys that are a lot shorter they they frame the net a lot better. You have to remember a player that's six foot four, six five, a lot of their body is over top of the net. We now know based on what we talked about before with trajectory, that a lot of their body yeah. is is still above the net anyway. So there's not a huge advantage, right? Um, but I think understanding yeah. your frame is way more important um than actual getting the measuring stick out and, and seeing how tall you are, right? Like it still comes down to <laughs> what do you look like in the net, right? So getting that yeah. um, understanding would go a long way. Um, but no, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a limit to height. I, I think it just it comes down to ultimately, are you going to stop more pucks? Um, and and I think the yes. way to do that is to to understand your frame. And and I think if you can frame the net really well, it doesn't matter if you're if you're five six or you're six five. You know, it comes down to being able to frame the net properly yeah. and. And yeah, it could be a little harder. You may have to take a longer route, you know, to change people's minds. But at the end of the day, sure. you know, it comes down to winning hockey games. And, you know, if you're, if you're stopping more pucks yeah, than anybody yeah. else, you're going to be successful, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what I was going to say. Like, you know, ultimately throughout my career, I was just like, you know what? Like there might be a lot of people out there that don't like my size, but if I do my job better than everybody else, then I know somebody's going to eventually buy into me and my character and my, you know, my brand. Right. And, and, you know, I touched sure. on it earlier that I knew I only needed like one coach to like me, right. You don't need exactly. a million coaches to like you. So, you know, uh, for everybody out there, you, you really got to just, you know, it's, it's a, re- it's a results driven business. If you're short, get the results. People will notice, right. Get the results, yep. get better results than the bigger guys you're getting. You know, I always took pride, like, Whenever I played a guy who was who was like when I was in prep school and he was committed to Yale University at 17 and I wasn't yet. Right. Like I took pride in those games because those are the opportunities where you have a chance to show people that you're just as good as and and even so better than all the guys that have already been handed uh, 
some of these accolades that we're all chasing for most of us up until we're even like 20 years old. Right. For sure. For sure. Without question. Yeah. That's the biggest thing, right? Like, uh, I think it can't be stated enough that, you know, you're in, you have to control what you can control. And, you know, if you do that, you know, eventually you'll, you'll keep knocking down that door and, and, and you'll get, somebody will give you an opportunity. Um, I love when, you know, people say that, like, I just need one guy to believe in me. And like, that's, that's really it. Right. So you just need one guy to take a chance and then you need to have success when you're at the level, but you gotta be prepared when you get there and, and, and you've got to take advantage of that opportunity when you get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, we will jump into our next question. Austin asks, how can you mentally stay in the game while you play? And when you let in a goal, how do you get back in the game? Thank you, Austin and Reed, for, for sending in your questions. And Austin asks, how do I stay in the game mentally? And Reed asks, when I let in a goal, how do I get back in the game? So how do I stay in the game and how do I get back in the game after I let in a goal? And these are obviously relatively similar. Uh, so we, we decided to uh, combine them, but we'll touch on both. Uh, you know, So Matt, why don't you uh, lead us off for this? Yeah. So I like, I like both the questions, like, especially like from the mental side, like as a, as a goalie coach and and goalie coach can relate to this, like, you know, you're, you're putting on so many hats as a goaltending coach. And one of them is the uh, mental side. And what I've kind of, I kind of have a guideline of what, you know, I would expect my players to do. And that might be a little bit different from what you do, but maybe you can take a little bit from me and, 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 and learn, but um, from my perspective, there's three things that I want the goaltender to try to do once they give up a goal. I'll start with that. Um, you know, if you do give up a goal, I think the first thing is, um, number one thing is get rid of distractions. So any negative thoughts that come into your mind, anything negative, any self-talk that's negative, yeah. um, any subconscious thoughts, be aware of them, get rid of them. So you need a technique to do that. So um, we've seen Braden Holpe is famous example of squirting the water bottle up in the air. That's an example of being able to, to get rid and release. So you need some form of release of anything negative. So that would be the number one thing. So there's two, there's, there's, there's two things. There's, there's, uh, there's external anchors and there's like internal yeah. anchors, which is, I, I learned this from a sports site. So like the water bottle thing's an external anchor and you could look at yeah. the line on the ice or like the line in the pucks. Or you have like an internal sure. anchor, which is something that you like say to yourself, like a mantra, like I say exactly. center square challenge is mine. Like that's my thing. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and that actually kind of leads into my next point, right? So I, my thing is, okay. And you talk external, internal. So the first thing would be get rid of distractions. And I, and I would say more externally Then the next thing I, I would do. And, and this is what I kind of suggest to my goalies is you want to regulate the body somehow, right? So if you give up a goal, you've gone through something actually stressful, right? Because you've given up a goal, you now released it. Now you've got to regulate the body. So there's a lot of different breathing techniques out there. That I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. If you can find kind yeah. of a breathing te- technique that works for you, find a way to regulate the pressure through the body. So that's that's the second thing. And then the third thing is positive reinforcement. So that goes back to what what you talked about briefly, Mike, with the internal kind of just making sure that you're reinforcing, you know, what you want to do and what your game plan is, you know, it can be as, as simple mm-hmm. as you said, center square set, or it could be, you know, something along the lines of, of reinforcing, you know, who you are as a goaltender. Um, but those are the three things. Mm-hmm. Like I think get rid of distractions. Number one, the second thing is re- regulate your body somehow to get yourself back into that flow state. And then the third thing is positive reinforcement. That's if you hammer those three things after you give up a goal, 
you'll be surprised at how quickly you kind of bounce back from everything. And and that's, that's what I use with my goals. Everybody's a little different. You kind of tinker and see what works and what doesn't work. But those would be kind of the three ways that I would say that gets a goaltender kind of back into the game. Uh, and like I said, back to kind of the right state of mind uh, to be able to play the position. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and and it's something that we talk about a lot on the show. And, and obviously you're, you're dealing with a lot of kids at the next level is, you know, this idea of like routines, right? Like how do you put the odds in your favor, you know, and you want to, and, and everybody, and that's why people say goalies are weird, right? Cause we do a lot of weird things to get us ready, but there, there's probably no two of us on the planet that our brains react uh, exactly the same. Right. And you got to kind of go out there and AB test and figure out what works for you. So well, something I will say, so kind of touching on uh, the first part, which was, um, you know, how do I stay in the game? mentally and that's developing routines during the game what do you do during whistles like what do you do and so i'll give you guys an example of how do you stay in the game mentally when i was like you know 15 i noticed that you know all of a sudden the stakes go up and and now i'm looking in the crowd a lot more and i noticed that you know i'm all of a sudden i'm, I'm tracking the shot clock and i'm calculating my numbers during the game and i'm looking in the stands and i see a guy with the with a clipboard and now i can't stop thinking about the guy in the stands with the clipboard even though i'm trying to think on about the game right so you know sure. i i realized that when i was like 15 or 16 that there's just there's a lot of distractions in my game that i had to like eliminate yeah. entirely through routine so what i did was i said okay i realized that it's so hard to put this fire out once it starts I'm literally just yeah. going to avoid the fire altogether. So what I did was yeah. I developed a new routine where I would just go to the corner and I would just like look at the ice as I went to the corner and I would like sing yep. a song in my head. Like that's what I did. Like, yeah. and it, and it kind of just, yeah. kept, it kept me, it kept me in that state of flow throughout the game in between whistles. Yeah. Right. So that way you're not like overthinking it too much and you kind of already know what you're going to do. So how do I stay in the game mentally? One is identifying your distractions. Do you look at your parents in the stands? Are you looking outside the glass? Are you looking at your coaches? Are you looking at like your players and stuff like that? I, I, yeah, I identified all those things, the shot clock. And I said, you know what? Those are my distractions. They're such small little details, but they, your, your, your focus and your concentration is just so sensitive, man. Like, like we, yeah, we like, you say, don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. Don't, you're, yeah, like, now, you're, think now you're thinking of it. Right. So like, you got to understand right. that your focus is that sensitive, right. And you got to be able to control it in the right way. And the way you do that sure. is through developing a routine that works for you. And then the other thing is, is when you let in a goal, I mean, you basically said it right. Um, uh, uh, one thing I will say is, you know, a big hack that I've, I've like, like to use over my time is something I like to call, uh, uh oh man i'm forgetting it now uh oh basically you're you're uh, you're underreacting right you you're uh, yeah you're, oh oh i i remember the word you're a flatliner right so whether you make yeah, the yeah. of your life or you make you let in the worst goal of your life you do the same routine you have the same emotion you're the same exactly, flatline yeah. the same everything right and and for sure i think the biggest thing for you know a lot of minor minor you know hockey goalies is you got to understand that your brain and your body are like a machine. It's, it's programmable. You can program your subconscious. You can program muscle memory, everything over time. 100%. Right. Um, and yeah, through these routines, we can control our focus. We can control everything we want. We can pre-program those things through these routines that when this happens, my body knows it's getting ready to play a game. When this happens, my body knows it's got to let go of sure. this goal and move on. Right. And it's, it's, it's sure. internal cues for your body. When you stick to those routines, what, what do you think about that, Matt? 
Yeah, that's exactly. I think you, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Like it's, it's a hundred percent. Like, you know, we go back to that, you know, understanding it took a lot, like your example with the scouts and stands and, and all that, like, you know, it takes a lot of self-reflecting too. Like we, we go back and I hate kind of revisiting it, but it, it does come back to that, like understanding kind of what your triggers are and yes. then slowly taking those out through a routine. Like you said, it, it, it goes a long way. Right. But the first step is you got to figure out what your triggers are that like, what are your distractions? What are your negative thoughts? Like, and start slowly implementing things to take ways to take those out. And, you know, it's, it could be so simple, you know, like you talked about singing a song, like that's such a good idea, right? Like, it's just, it gets you back into that <laughs> mental state, you know, thinking about something negative, but whatever it is, right? Like it could be so small. Like, um, and I think yeah. that's the biggest thing, you know, just, that was just something stuff. that honestly I did, I, I did. I did naturally yeah. like, but, it, but it, it just like, it was something like when I was young, I just like did it and it worked for me. And when I, when I would yeah. be in between whistles, I wouldn't be thinking about my numbers. I wouldn't be thinking about the score. Sure. I, like, I'm just like in my zone, yeah, without, bridging I, that gap back in my zone. Right. Exactly. Without, with, it's almost one of those things that has to come a bit naturally too. Like, yeah. but as long as you have awareness of what your negative thoughts are, like, you know, it, it's going to, it goes, that stuff goes a long way, but it's such a good question. Right. Cause it, everyone goes through it, you know, like, and I think that's the other thing too. Like there's nothing wrong with admitting to yourself that you go through some negative thoughts. Like I don't know an athlete that doesn't do that, you know, like professional or otherwise, like there's always limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves. And um, so there's no shame in it either. Like that's the one thing I want to make clear to to the young athletes. Like, cause I think sometimes they're like scared to say like, Oh, like, you know, I was thinking negatively or I was distracted and it's like, listen, like it happens to right. everyone, especially nowadays more than ever, distractions are pretty prevalent. So, you know, I think understanding that, you know, could go a really long way for your career for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, we'll, uh, we'll jump into our next question. Hey man, uh, my name's Peter. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And in 2016, I was a late round draft pick from the Columbus Blue Jackets. When I first met the coaching staff, I got into a bit of an argument with John Tortorella and I have not been on good terms with the team since. I've been stuck playing for the University of North Dakota for the last four years, and despite my numbers being really good, I'm not getting any traction within the organization. Uh, I'm wondering if you have any tips on what I can do to reach out to the organization to let them know that I'm ready, I'm sorry, and I'm here to be your goalie. Any help would be great. Thank you, uh, Peter. Thank you, Peter, for for sending your question. Definitely an interesting situation. You know, uh, you know, what's the advice to reconnect with the Blue Jackets organization after a, a slight follow? What should his next steps be? And uh, you know, uh, I, I do think we can put a twist on this that's pretty valuable for everybody listening. And that's, you know, obviously everybody has disagreements with coaches, and I think it happens more often than than people realize. So we'll try our best to kind of help you out today, given your current situation. But Matt, why don't you kind of dive into this one? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like it's, it's a great, it was a great question. I mean, and it's actually surprising how often it happens. And obviously this is an example of happening at at one of the highest levels, right? Where, you know, for whatever reason, like, you know, there's an issue and, and, you know, maybe you say something you shouldn't say, or, you know, you make mistakes. But I think the one thing to remember, number one is like, we all know that people are going to make mistakes. You know, it seems like Peter apologized, right? So that's, that's half the battle, just owning up to it. But once you do that, like, you know, that's all you can do from that perspective. The biggest thing is like, 
put your head down and work, man. Like that's, that's the biggest example I can say. The the biggest piece of advice I can say is put your head down, work, show true character that you're elevating your game and getting better. Like there's no magic answer because you know what? You can't control really what they think of you at this point. Like this, the reality is you could have burned a bridge. Absolutely. You may have potentially burned a bridge with that organization. That does happen. I would be lying if I if I said that you know people don't remember things and hold on to things in hockey. They do sometimes, yeah. but at the end of the day, you know it seems like you understood like where your your mistake was. Um, you know we all make mistakes, and I think number one, like for you, like you have to let it go yourself. You know, and I think before you get into yeah, the fact that sure. you know trying to impress the organization or anything like that, I think the first thing you have to do is like yeah, you kind of have to as, as cliche as it sounds you kind of have to forgive yourself first and just be like you know what i messed up here i could have been better but the other day everybody goes through it you know like some some mistakes are bigger than others no question but i think everyone goes through where they they've messed up or they've maybe treated a a teammate wrong and they could have done it differently they treated a a coach wrong and they could have done it differently sounds like you've apologized you've reached out you've done everything you can from that perspective now the 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 main thing is putting your head down like you got to put your head down you got to work you got to show true character and you have to be grateful for every opportunity you get now at this point right and that's the reality of the situation that's the reality you live in is that when you present a certain way and someone has a certain opinion about you sometimes it can be more challenging to get in the lineup more often or get an opportunity at a tryout but at the end of the day you have to now be grateful for any opportunity you do have and take advantage of that small window, right? Um, you know, I think taking responsibility for your actions is a big thing. And then once you once you do that, you know, it comes back down to good old fashioned hard work and making sure your character is really, really good. And um, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing. I, I wish there was like kind of a magic answer to get back into good graces of coaches, but yeah. you know, the only thing you can do is is dig really deep. And it's not it's not easy. Like we've all, I a lot of athletes have been there. Um, you know, where a coach maybe doesn't like us as much as, uh, you know, as the next guy beside us. But, um, you know, at that point, you know, you're really doing it to see how far you can take it as far as work ethic goes. Yes. And if you put your head down long enough, it's bad to say, but like you kind of make it about you. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, in the sense of see how far you can push it you know, from, from a, from for a work yourself, ethic. For not even necessary yeah, for yeah. them, right? Exactly. Like, I think like once you apologize and, 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 you know, you, you, you admitted you're wrong and you try to rectify the situation, then at that point, like really, you're just, you know, that's all you can really do. And now you've got to yeah, move you on. Can't, you can't let to, that hang over you, right? No, exactly. You've got to work your tail off and, and make up for, for a mistake. But the other thing to know too, is like, you're not the only one in this situation. There's tons of guys out there that have been in that situation and they've moved on from it. There's lots of guys with, with great NHL careers who have had that issue. There's numerous examples. You can think yeah. back to tons of examples. You listen to enough podcasts, you, you, you talk to enough players around the rink. Every person, every player with a long career has gone through a situation like this. And that's the one thing to remember you can lean on. Like every single, every single player has had a disagreement with a coach at one time. And it's just, you know, you got to move yeah. on do your best to rectify it. And then you just, you just put your head, you put your work boots on, you put your head down and you work. Like yeah. that's, that's really the only way to, 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 you can't change the past. Right. So that's really, I wish my piece of advice was more groundbreaking, but like, 
that's really what it comes down to is like someone will eventually notice, you know, obviously you had potential to be drafted to the national hockey league, you know, exactly. that you, you, you didn't get drafted for no reason. Um, you know, now you've, you've got to show people why you were picked. You know, it doesn't matter what round you got drafted. You're an elite player at that level. Um, you know, if you get drafted at that level and, and now you just got to prove, prove why again, you know, it doesn't change a lot from your perspective. Yeah. That's what I would say. No. And, 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 you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like when you have a bad game or something, right. You, you it only yeah. defines you if you let it. Right. And the only thing that you can do when you have a bad game is go out there and work and be more prepared. Right. Show the coaches that you're bouncing back, that you're not letting it define you. And it goes the same thing with um, within a situation like this. Right. Uh, this moment only defines you and your character if you let it. If you go out there and, and it's like me when I got lit up in junior and I learned that, that I needed to be more prepared. Right. You, you know, you probably learned your lesson in, in this regard too. that. Hey, you know, I need to. I need to work harder and I need to be a little quieter in terms of maybe in, in with disagreements, but ultimately that, sure. that really is the secret answer here is you, your, your, the work you put in will define you. Right. And I actually just had a conversation with somebody about this, that every day you show up to the rink, the way you treat the people around you, how much effort you put into your work will define your identity and your career and what people know you as. And that takes sure. time to develop, right? That takes a lot sure. of time. That's not, that's not one fix. You can just say, oh, I had a good skate overnight. No, that's yeah. something that takes yeah. time to amend. Reputation takes time to amend. Yeah. So I think Without understand that one, accept it, turn the page. And two, that it's not a, it's not a quick fix that can happen overnight or, and even, even necessarily in a yeah. year, you know? Um, yeah. I like and, that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Man. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I do like, I like, I do like how you said that. Like, I think that's an important point. Like the timeline too of this, like, you're right. It's not gonna, it's not gonna happen overnight. Like you have to build back that trust, you know, with the organization, like you have to build, and it's not just necessarily this example. Like I think everybody goes through it, but it takes time. You have to develop that trust back again. Like it's not going to just automatically, you know, you apologize and everything's going to be fine it's going to just take time. But, but the thing is like, it doesn't change your journey, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, if we continue to be process obsessed and just learn how to just focus on being driven by the process, none of the, all this stuff happens for us. It doesn't happen to us. If we have that mindset and just continually get better. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really impact you as much, right? Like, like I said, you, it sounds like, you know, Peter's done what he can do um, from a perspective of rectifying the situation. Now, just like, you know, keep working on trying to improve your game. Eventually, hopefully you get a shot, you know, and maybe it's with another organization, right? Like, and that's the other thing. Yeah, too. And like, I was I just going to say that, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, if you do right. get that chance with like considering you're playing in North Dakota, you have great numbers, you're drafted the NHL you're still right up there in terms of the, the basket of guys that they're looking for yeah. at that level in the American league and the ECHL. So there's sure. so much opportunity out there. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. you know, when I was in pro, I, I, yeah, I, I ran into the same thing with one of the coaches, you know what I mean? Like, and we didn't see eye to eye and then, uh, you know, sure. but then I moved on and I, and I, and I learned from that. And the next team I went to, I stuck. Right. And it was because yeah. I used that experience, that kind of bad experience that I had. I said, you know what? I made a mistake. Um, I have to just my, let my play do the talking, right? My play will do all yeah. the talking, right? No matter how good of a yeah. talker you are, and, and I'm a, a good talker too, right? 
no matter what, yeah. it always it always came down to play. It's always going to come down to to your play. Are you ready to help them win games? And ultimately, Obviously. you know, the work that you put in at school right now, and I, and I, and it looked like you're a senior, so you're probably leaving. But I'm sure that Columbus is going to go back and ask your coaches, hey, how did he react this year? Did he give up? Did he keep going? All those types of things. So the people around you are always watching you, right? All of, that's what, sure. and that's what I say that the way you the way you act and the way you come to the rink every day would define the the way, you know, people see you in your career. It was like, you know, when I was getting committed to just go to, you know, college, right. You know, they went back and asked my high school coaches to confirm. And those guys, even, even in those years where a lot of people don't think that matters because those guys, when those scouts went to them, they're like, yeah, this kid's like, he has the character, the hard work, he wins games. Like this kid's your guy. Those guys are going to be like, okay. Right. And that, that builds reputation. And it's the same thing with sort of in your current situation that you might, maybe you have one bad occurrence with this one coach, but you've learned from it. And wherever you go next, you know, now the character that you need, the work ethic you need to put in, and you can continue to, you can continue to um, repair that reputation and build it back to something that you want to be known within the community. Right. And the other thing too, to remember is like, and I've, I've been on the other side of this, like where I've been on the coaching side, like, I've even seen players come to coach and be like, Hey, sorry about the situation. Uh, you know, that happened. And, and the coach was like, what situation? Like they don't even, you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> they they might not even, they, they, sometimes that happens. Yeah. Like I've seen it happen multiple times where the coach just like, they didn't even know what the, like it wasn't the, the player made it a big deal in their head because we tend to have right. like a me, me focus. But the coach is thinking about so many other things that he's already forgot about the situation. I'm not right. saying that's the case, but, but sometimes, <laughs> like as a player, we played up bigger than make, it is, right? Yeah, we think about ourselves, and we think we make such a big deal of it, and and the coach have kind of just moved on from it, right? So, so don't. That's the other reason why, and the reason why I bring that up is like don't dwell on it more than it needs to be dwelled on, right? Like a lot of players do that. But going back to your point about organizations, like every NHL organization is looking for a competitive advantage right Mm -hmm. and that might not be the nhl might be at the american league or the coast level they're looking for a competitive advantage so if they see a guy that was drafted in the sixth round i've had this conversations with tons of guys you know tons of scouts in the nhl they'll call and they'll be like hey why did this guy not potentially sign with with in this case columbus you know is this a guy that slipped through the cracks one mistake kind of ruined them with an organization and then and then the next thing you know you're in pittsburgh or you're in you know philly or wherever whatever organization it could be that needs goaltending depth and and they're going to go back to like you said your coaches in college and be like how was he as a as a as an individual and is he going to help our organization like because no matter what people think like if one team doesn't like you it doesn't mean another team won't and they're always looking for that competitive advantage so as a player you have to make yourself available to be that advantage yeah. for them. And I think that's, that's the one thing to stress. Like, you know, just if it doesn't work out with Columbus, you know, you do just, you don't know who's watching and who's, and who's calling who, because behind the scenes, there's so yeah. the one thing players underestimate is they underestimate how much stuff is happening behind the scenes. There are so many conversations being had on a daily basis. Like I, every day I'm having conversations with, with people in different organizations, whether it's junior, even minor hockey, pro, you know, I'm having conversations with coaches yeah. all the time about players and, and, and even guys I don't work with, like there's even guys I don't work with or train yeah. 
like they'll call me and be like, Hey, what do you, you've, have you seen this guy play? Like, what do you think of him? You know, what's your thoughts? Because right. they're trying to get the, the, the competitive advantage. So instead of being so hung up on one organization, I think the biggest approach is, you know, just put your head down and work like, and, and have good character. If you do that, you know, when you stop enough pucks, you know, somebody's going to give you a shot. You got to break that door down. Yeah. It's just probably part of it is like breaking down that, that, that vision that it was going to be, I was going to get drafted by a certain team. I was going to exactly. go in and play for that team. I was going to play 10 years for that team. I was going to retire with that. You know what I mean? That <laughs> vision, it might be different. It might change and breaking down that barrier and saying, okay, you know what? It might be a new path for me. That's part of it too. We go back to like acceptance, you know, of, of the situation and the reality. That's a big part of it as well, or it might just be, listen, yeah. like, you know, it might not be with Columbus. Like it might be with somebody else, but you know, be process obsessed. And that's, that takes care of everything. It always comes back yeah. to that. Yeah. yeah. And be prepared. Right. Cause you know, now, now you, you know, be prepared for your next opportunity. That's, that's, that's all I can say. So biggest thing is, man, just, just get to work. It is what it is. It's happened. You know um, I know that the rights eventually expire and stuff like that. So you know, I, I would maybe try and reach out again and, and, and rekindle that conversation. And if not, I wouldn't I wouldn't be let down by it, considering you were technically a chosen one. Other teams and, yeah. and, and everybody else will notice that. And they love they, they love that. I mean, there's so many instances in the NHL, too, where like guys just kind of have a falling out in the, cor- the current organization where they are and they have to go to another team. They're still good players. Right. Yeah. But they just have no to question. go to another organization. It's just from a, a social standpoint, things didn't click or work out initially. Right. Yeah. And honestly, like most guys actually do. If you look at back and yeah. we talked about this, like before I like butchered the stats there, but like most, like we talked about first round picks, right? Yeah. So those guys, like it's crazy how many of those guys aren't in the same organization that drafted them. You know what I mean? Like it's, and then they found success somewhere else, you know, like yeah. you look at like Jack Campbell as an example, right? He's playing with the Leafs. He's, he's found a great role as a back goal in the national hockey league. Yeah. But that was a guy who was drafted by Dallas, you know, like, Devin Dubnik's another yep. one. You know, he's had a career elsewhere. He was drafted by the Edmonton Oilers. You know, like he he yeah, his he was best parts of his brutal career there. With other <laughs> exactly. Like, and that's and that's no <laughs> knock to, to Devin Dubnik. It's just like that's the oh, reality no. of the situation. Like with goaltenders, they, they change. change hands a lot. Yeah. Like they're usually with a different yeah. organization that talks them anyway. A lot of them, like when they have success. Yeah, there's exceptions to the rules. Like you look at like you know, Mark Andre Fleury, Carey Price, like those guys, kind of, they're drafted. They come up, but th- that's like that's but like the Mark Andre Fleury. Look at him; he's he's getting passed around now too, right? And, and and if you look back at his career, he struggled right away. Like there was a lot of talk. If if you remember yeah. correctly, there was a lot of discussion that Mark Andre Fleury was kind of a bust early on because he struggled his first two years as like a nineteen-year-old, which seems nuts. But but there was talk about that. And if you look back at Carey Price. Um, if you guys remember back, like Carey Price was in a battle with Yaroslav Halak. Yaroslav Halak stole. Oh, I remember that in the playoffs. series against Washington. Yeah, and people and they traded yeah. Yaroslav Halak away, or they let him go, and they thought they got. And a lot of people thought they got rid of the wrong goalie. Right now, obviously, you know, you look back, it was the right decision. But you know, the, yeah. it, it's just an example of like even those guys, those those number one overall, number five overall. Those are two examples of guys that could have potentially been moved out pretty early in their careers and they would have been another success story with another franchise, you know, like 
You know, you look at like yeah. a, a Semyon Varlamov, you know, he was drafted in the first round, you know, and, and he didn't really find a lot of success until he, you know, played in uh, for Colorado. And then he found more success. Now he's playing well with, with the New York Islanders, right? Like, so regardless of who you are, like, and this isn't, this is probably more directly related to Peter, like, you know, a lot, most guys change hands anyway. So don't like get hung up yeah. on, you know, this one opportunity. Exactly. Like if you play well enough, somebody's going to look for that competitive advantage in net and they're going to be like, okay, this is the guy. He's, he's dominated at whatever level he's at. You know, now we've, we, we've got to give this guy a chance and, 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 you know, that's, you know, the route to success. It's probably the more common route to success now than ever before is, is, you know, being in a different organization that drafted that, than that drafted you. So, um, that's the one thing I would point out too, is just the generation we're living in with the, how closely compared yeah. the goalies are. They're so tight with skill set. There's a lot of guys that slip right. through the cracks and, and they're, they end up in different organizations and have a lot of success. So process more than ever is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, we'll jump into our next question. Hello, I'm Adrian from Mexico city. And my question is not having a goalie coach. What can I do on the ice? with my goalie time during the training sessions. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Adrian, for sending in your question. And he's asking if you don't have a goalie coach, basically, you know, what should you be doing during your free time as a goalie on the ice or, or on your own? So I appreciate the engagement. And I think a, a lot of goalies run into this situation where they don't have access to a goalie coach. So, you know, maybe I'll just start this one off quick. I think the biggest thing is, is there's so much technology now online with everything that you could, you could actually find a mentor through the internet as a lot of people have found through the show and through Matt and so many other influencers online that, that put out good stuff. You know what I mean? So I think big thing is, is uh, yeah, really, really just find some mentors online and, and cling to their content, stuff like that. And then maybe Matt, I'll let you dive into it more. Yeah. Yeah. I think you kind of touched on one of the things I wanted to touch on with this question was like, I do think that, you know, there's so much, there's so many resources nowadays, like, yeah. Take advantage of those is the number one. And I, I think like sometimes the obvious answer is the best answer. And I think that's the biggest thing with that is like, I I do think there's so many good resources. Find somebody that you trust online um, that can help you, you know, from a technical perspective and then map out kind of a game plan on your own. Like I just find like there's a lot of time that's wasted in practice, um, you know, where goalies could be working on things. Um, if you're ever in doubt, I think always go back to fundamental stuff. Like you can never, yeah. I've never heard of a goalie being too good of a skater or I've never heard of a goalie being too good of a puck tracker. Too good you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Like, so for me, like, go, like go back to those fundamentals. If you're ever in doubt, come up. And, and the other thing too, is like, I think goalies think in their mind, they have to have like 25 different drills for every situation. And to yeah. be honest with you, like my drills are very basic. Um, you know, there's three or four drills we like to do that, that cover each situation and just come up with three or four that you really, really like and, and put them in, into your practices or after practice or before practice, you have that opportunity. Um, and then you can even go to the coach and ask, they say, Hey, can we get some goalie time? You know, in this particular, uh, can we do a couple goalie specific drills? Um, and, and sometimes they're open, sometimes they're not, but at the end of the day, I think just having three or four drills in each situation is perfect. You probably don't need much yeah. more than that. And then work be heavy, heavy on the skill development side because you can't be yeah, too skilled. Yeah. So those, I, that would be kind of my 
my piece of advice yeah. with, with that. Um, and then the final thing I would add would just be video. Like if you are mm-hmm. a guy that doesn't have a goalie coach, um, I would say do as much video as you possibly can. Like if you can yeah, break down video on yourself, like it sometimes can be really, really productive and, and sometimes even more productive than having a coach there, but um, record as yeah. much as you can. Now with technology, it's so easy to just stick up a GoPro and watch your practices and break them down. Um, you know, so those would be like a couple pieces of advice that I would give to, to athletes that don't have a goalie coach at their practices or, or, or games for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always just, you know, you touched on in the beginning of your answer it was just the fundamentals are so important. I mean, there's so many, so many of my goalie sessions start with just like, you know, the, the 10, 15 minutes of just the fundamental development, you know what I mean? Of like sure. working on the tracking, working on the, the little bit of skating, right? These little things that you, the subconscious habits, you know, that you want to come out in, the, in when you play, uh, they're really developed like within rep- from a repetition base of having a good fundamental routine uh in all your skating so you know i i uh i'm a big fan of of that kind of repetition based uh repertoire of of certain things that at least at least in my career there were there were you know the certain kind of tracking drills that i do before you know i would do some you know and these are just some warm-up variations of like you know you do all glove and then you do all blocker and then you do both so you have to add in a reactive element right and then you do all low glove all low blocker and then you do both right and then you do stick and then you do both stick and then and then maybe you do the whole body so you know the fundamental stuff you can work it up to be relatively difficult um and to be variable which i think for people that don't necessarily have like a very deep uh, depth of like knowledge or, or whatever in terms of coming up with a with a plan right that's a very good way to, to focus on your skill development is just work up work work from the bottom level and then work up to a reactive yeah. element yeah. within those right yeah yeah that's the best that's a good way to put it and that's a lot of what we do anyways as coaches like you really look at it like you're you're starting from the ground up really with development so yeah. when you're coaching a goaltender like you're going to try to make it the first time I meet a goalie, I'm going to make it as simple as possible. Yeah. Um, and just try to, you know, almost like a checklist, try to, you know, continue to move up that checklist. Um, you know, but, but I think, yeah, the biggest thing is making sure that, you know, I would say honestly, the hardest thing is like getting started with a game plan. Once you start, you can kind of just manipulate it each day and like, yeah. and be like, okay, this worked for me here. This didn't work for me here, but it's like, just, just put that foot, that first foot forward. Well, that was tough to say. Yeah. Say that ten times fast. Um, <laughs> but put that first foot forward, and once you do that, then you'll yeah, exactly. Say it ten times fast. I'll be impressed. But um, but no. So <laughs> if you if you uh, like I said, if if you can make that first step, that's the biggest thing. If you do that, then obviously you can just build off it, and then it'll tweak. Like I think too, like everyone gets so obsessed obsessed with uh, perfection right away. Yeah, and it's like, for, sure. for me, I just think it, I just think it's constant tinkering with, with game plans and like, and models and what works. So it's, it's just like, if you start, then you can kind of slowly build into, you know, kind of what works a little bit better for you. Um, and, and that's where a lot of the NHL guys, you know, get their game plans. Like they started somewhere and then they slowly just add things in, take things out. And they're just kind of tinkering with, with what they do at practice and, um, you know, making sure that it makes sense for them. Yeah. Yeah. With that, we'll jump into our next question.
Hi, Coach Matt and Mike. Liam Chiefin here. What is your opinion about three-on-three leagues or spring hockey for goalie development? Thank you, Liam, for uh, sending in your question. Appreciate the engagement. And, uh, you know, what's our take on spring hockey, including tournaments and, and 3v3, 4v4? Should kids be playing spring hockey? And, uh, you know, I think a lot of goalies and parents out there have the same questions. Is it worth it? Is it important? Is it necessary? And maybe, Matt, you can dive into that, buddy. Yeah, like I, I, again, this is such a like commonly asked question. Um, and it's a good one. It, again, like it is, it is one of those like kind of um, what very, um, in some ways, over debated questions. But yeah. I think I'll start by saying I think this year is different than any other year For sure. because there's so much, there's such a lack of games going on that if, if a parent came to me and was like, hey, I want to play spring hockey or summer hockey this year. I'd be like, yeah, go for it. Because honestly, like a lot of our kids like, yeah, haven't played I as many the same thing, right? Because we've been off the ice for so long. You you kind of need exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. So for me, like this year's a bit different. But I would say on normal years, the first thing I want to do is, is especially for parents, because this is more to the younger kids. Like you, if you get invited to a spring hockey tournament, it is not the be all and end all if you go or not. That's the yeah. first thing I want to say. Like, I think a lot of parents think like if they do, don't go to a spring hockey tournament, these spring hockey tournaments are usually really overpriced. It's a very expensive endeavor yeah. for a parent. And then they get pressured by peers to go to these spring hockey tournaments and play on these all-star teams. And in a lot of ways, like they think that it's kind of like going to make or break if they get an opportunity the following year. I'm here to tell you it yeah. doesn't. Okay, it, it doesn't matter that yeah, much. For sure. One thing that for for players to get exposure, that's a totally separate thing. If you're looking to get exposure Absolutely. and you're maybe like a lower level player, you're a double A player, but you're playing in a triple A tournament, I think that can add value. I right. think if you're playing at a lower level during there the season, you, you and you get invited to a higher end tournament, sometimes there's value there, like because you want to see what you can do at the triple A level that's different. Okay. Yeah. So I would, I would, I wouldn't steer away from that if I was doing it for th those reasons. But yeah. if you're a triple A player, you're at the top level and you're playing at all these spring hockey tournaments, the body actually can't handle it because a lot of these kids are young and they're playing these, they're playing 10 spring hockey tournaments. They're ending up by the time the season's done, there's no break for them. They're playing the whole time and then they don't have time to play other yeah. sports or anything like that. And then the next thing, you know, the kid is getting groin or injury problems at a young age which should almost never happen because if you think about the durability of a young kid they should be able to 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 handle it but we're we're putting these kids in situations where they're playing 80 plus games and then we're wondering why they're yeah, you know they're having for, growth and and, and plus um, years, right? <laughs> exactly right like they're having issues when they get older a lot of it is just like overuse of the body and and also too i i yeah. can't i can't stress this enough like a break from the game can be really beneficial too. Um, so to me, yeah. I think like if you're doing it for the right reasons where you're trying to move up a level and you're trying to push yourself to see exactly. how good you are against AAA players, that's fine. But if you're, if you're doing it for, you know, to basically an ego reason because you got invited or you feel obligated or you're, yeah. you know, you want to, you know, be on an all-star team, you know, that's probably not a good reason to do it. Um, the other example I use too is, is travel. So 
for instance, some of these spring teams go to like all these different places. Obviously, you know, it's probably a lot. It's There's a lot of restrictions based on COVID now, but a lot of these spring teams go to different spots, you know, even sometimes in the world. If you're doing it to travel around, that's awesome. Go for it. You know what I mean? I think it's really cool to see new cities, especially at a young age. That's totally different. You know, it's it's almost like a glorified vacation. That go nuts. Yeah, I would say go for it. it. Right? Yeah, yeah. You have to have fun with it. It has to be lighter. Um, but if you're doing it and you're taking it way too seriously, and you're and you're doing ten spring hockey tournaments, you know, into the summer, yeah, then you have to reevaluate why you're actually doing it at that point. You could probably use that money towards you know better growth as an individual or or as a kid, um, yeah. you know, and improving your game. So. It really comes down to perspective and why you're doing it. I think that's the biggest thing. It's not that spring hockey's bad. I just would caution parents to, you know, who think it's, you know, the only thing that's going to get their kid to the next level, or they look around and say, well, you know, this kid's doing it, so we have to do it. I, I don't think it's a nece- it's yeah. a necessity for a player to be elite to go to all these spring hockey tournaments. That's just my take on it. Again, yeah. doesn't mean I'm right, but that's just my kind of perspective. Yeah, I, I think it kind of depends like what, what age you're at too, right? Like as you kind of get to that 16, 17, 18 year old age, you know, you're not really going just necessarily for the development. You're, you're pretty much going to these things strictly for exposure, right? Um, 100%. And so I, I would say at the younger ages, like I played a significantly enormous amount of spring hockey. Like yeah. I have like literally a whole box, like. Full of, yeah like full of like the all the old hardware right of like the yeah so many tournaments we went to right but i will say this that like you know what you you talked about having fun man you know i had so much fun you know we, yeah. we would go we would travel we go to the states you know what i mean i'm like 10 10 10 years old you go with your buddies you're in the hotel you guys are playing like mini sticks i don't even know if people do that anymore you know what i mean but like you're in the yeah, pool you're sure. having fun you're playing games you're, you're traveling it's the hotel's fun right so there's a big part yeah. of it from a social standpoint that like when yeah. you get older the dynamic totally changes for spring hockey for <laughs> where sure. it gets significantly sure. more uh serious but at a younger yeah. age I, I don't know if like looking back i'm like you know what it kind of might have even burnt me out a little bit doing too much yeah what I would yeah. say is touching on the thing that you mentioned about this year is something that I have said to people is they're like, yeah, I don't know if I really want to do the spring hockey, but you got to think about the amount of minutes that you played over the last 12 months. If you haven't played a lot of minutes over the last 12 months, then I would yeah. recommend doing something, maybe even just one thing at least. For sure. Because, yeah. you know, we talk about taking a break away from the game, right? And it can be healthy, but taking a break away from games for too long can be very counterproductive to all of yeah. those those cues sure. and those those neurons that you build in your brain that that only build yeah. when you see pucks during games those things fade so i think you need to have a conversation with yourself of you know how many games have i played this year have i played enough in the last 12 months and if i haven't maybe i need to get some minutes in the summer maybe don't overkill yeah. yourself like you're saying right i think you and i are kind yeah. of meeting halfway here which is uh Sure. which is a good uh, kind of response for the question. Whereas this year is definitely different, but for parents, so you know, that yeah. want to go crazy with the spring hockey, always have a purpose to it. Right. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Like, I think it, there is such a difference between this year and any other year. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I actually am, am, I'm encouraging more kids to play spring and play. I'd like three on three. I'm not sure on, like, I don't know. We didn't really touch on that, but like spring hockey, no, we like, didn't, but... go for it. <laughs> Three on three, I'm not a huge fan of. I just think like you just get stuck <laughs> into such bad habits. Like 
I'm I'm kind of anti three on three for a goaltender. Players, I'm not sure, like to be honest. But as a goalie, like I just I see so yeah. many situations where cre- kids create bad habits. Now, in saying that, yeah. with three on three, if you, it is good sometimes to have put yourself in ba- in tough spots, right? So like two on O's or like yeah, yeah, that part's good, right? But if you monitor, it, I I would say with three on three, just monitor it. Like if you're saying like, okay, I'm getting so out of control here. It's not worth it. I w- I would probably steer clear of it. But if you're if you're feeling like, hey, you know what, I I lack a little bit of compete in my game, and and you're honest with yourself, then maybe three on three exactly, might be for yeah. you, right? Like it might work where yeah. you know that gives you a little bit of that competitiveness where you just have to find a way to stop the puck, um, and and that's the way I would look at it. So it's more that's so personal, I would say. Um, but if you're if you're a goalie that competes really hard and that's not the issue, and you have to calm your game down probably not the best route for you that's what i would that's the way i would word it yeah, I guess. yeah 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 i know you know and it's funny you say that just because uh like i feel like my dad when i was young he put me in like everything like i did everything you know what i mean and like yeah and i feel like i had the energy and i had like the love for it and i kind of i was like okay with it you know what i mean but i for will sure. say that when i was young i i did play like three on three a lot and, and when I was like yeah. really young at like eight or nine years old or when I can't remember when I started, it was pretty young, Yeah. but it, the buzzer would go, right? Like the buzzer goes. Yeah. So like I asked my dad one day, I'm like, can I like go out and take the puck? And he's like, yeah, go take it. Right. And so that's how I started to learn how to actually play yeah. the puck was that I, when I was yeah. like eight or nine, I would come out and I would like backpedal yeah. it and do it. And that, that led to like me kind of forming a, you know, that became a part of my identity. Um, yeah, exactly. And another For part sure. too was uh, like breakaways, like getting good at breakaways, like playing yeah, a lot 100%. of uh, three on three or four on four just made me like really, really develop just an incredible breakaway system that has honestly given me an edge all the way even into pro hockey. Yeah. And it all started yeah, from those sure. things. So I, I really liked how you touched on you know, because I think you do got to be careful. Like, there is something to be said, okay, with everybody listening about the hockey we play nowadays. It's a lot harder at the minor hockey levels than even when I was a kid, right? So we're doing yeah. all this stuff, and the game wasn't as fast as it is now at that level, right? It wasn't as yeah. hard, you know what I mean, on the body and stuff like that. So at a younger age, it's actually getting harder. And so I think that yeah. there is something to be said about even though I did it, doesn't mean it's necessarily a good thing to do nowadays because things have changed quite a bit. For sure. For sure. No, I couldn't agree more with that. Like, I think you touched on it really well where, you know, like you just, you see so many different situations and, and again, it like comes back to like, what reason are you doing it for? Like, yeah. if that's the reason you're doing it for, that's awesome. Like, but if you're trying to like be the best three on three team, you know, on planet <laughs> earth, that's probably not, you're probably not doing it for <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or you, or you think you're going to get like, you know, scouts in the building when you're 10, like you're probably not going to, it's not a good reason to do it. Right. So no. that's, that's what it comes down to. I think if you're doing it for the right reason, then monitor it. That's the biggest thing. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I do is spring and three on three hockey. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's actually a really good, a really good response to that. We're going to jump into our final question. Hey man, big fan of the podcast. Name's Cole. I'm from Yukon and I'm wondering if you have a hack or a trick that the one surefire way to make the NHL without working hard. I'm hoping for some kind of hack because, you know, that's the dream, but I'm just not very good. What are your thoughts? 
Uh, thanks, and hope to be on the podcast. Thank you, Cole, for sending in your your very candid question. And what's a surefire way? You know, basically asking, what's a silver bullet to make the NHL without working hard? And our final question of the day, obviously, appreciate the engagement. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering this, and and we wanted to end the session, obviously, with a uh, you know being a little more lighthearted and have some fun. But let me say, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, everyone in the world obviously wants a silver bullet for everything that fixes all our problems. I feel like that's just become a part of our generation, the instant gratification, right? Um, they think they can go get one answer and it will kind of fix everything. But unfortunately, me and Matt here are here to say that it's it's not that easy and it doesn't really work like that. And maybe, Matt, you can just lead off a bit here for the finale. Well, I was... <laughs> I was going to cut you off there and say, like, I actually do. For Colts, <laughs> I do have an idea on this one. I do. Okay. Okay. okay so let's I, hear it. Let's go. I think, I think this is the way. There's one way in particular. <laughs> what he's got to do is he has to go down. You go down to your local convenience store. You can go anywhere. You Anywhere they sell lottery tickets. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to go buy a lottery ticket, win the lottery, own an NHL team, buy an NHL team. That's the story. You got to go through Gary Ben the front, buy an NHL team, and then put yourself in the lineup. And if you do that, that is the one way. That is the one way where if you do not work hard, you can play in the National Hockey League. There you go. I I, I think I solved the problem. Uh, we solved it. There it is. Everybody head down to the store. We don't stone gambling, by the way, on this show. Let's make that clear. No, no. No, but if, if that, that is the one way I think you could do it. So hopefully we, uh, we see Cole in the NHL. We'll see that him, his name on the lottery first, and then he'll purchase an NHL team and be able to play. So that's my one uh, – that's the one way. You were saying, you were sure saying there's way. no way to do it. I'm sure that's the way to do it. <laughs> uh, well, do well, for everybody listening, I guess – you know, maybe we can set the record straight then if that's the only other, what's, what would be the other way of making Like in your opinion, really, right? Like let's, you know, on, on a kind of more serious note, obviously you deal with goalies that are, are literally walking in and out of, of, uh, you know, the American league and the NHL, like on a, on a weekly basis now. So, you know, for, for people that are really aspiring, like to, to get to the NHL, like what's, what's for you, What's like that one variable you think that people can start working on today that will that will help them get closer to that goal? Yeah, it's so hard to do to say just one thing, but I, you know, honestly, like I go back to you know, I, I'm going to give you two, and and the one is the obvious one. Like, you know, you have to have an extreme work ethic. Yeah, and. Yeah. If, there are rare occasions where you see guys that don't have as good a work ethic, but if they don't have a, as good a work ethic, they generally have a passion for the actual game. Right. So you can't really, you can't really make it if you don't have at least one of those, like there's some guys, yeah, they don't work as hard off the ice. And, and I think that's always, you know, noted, um, especially with a bit of better understanding of the players now um, in the national hockey league. But, but at the end of the day, like they always still have a passion, right? Like, so I think like if you're not passionate about it and you don't have work ethic, you at least have to have one of those at the very least. And and if you only have one, then you have to be extremely talented, right? So most guys don't yeah, fit into the extremely sure. talented category. That's just the the reality of the situation, right. you know? Um, but I do think that you need to have a passion for the position and you have to have work ethic. I think as cliche as that is, I think without those two things, it's, it's going to be hard because we look back at like, you know, players like, 
even like a Jordan Bennington, for example, he just signed a six-year contract with the St. Louis Blues. But there was a long time there where he was playing in the American Hockey League, you know, and, and you know, his future is fairly uncertain. Um, you know, you're not making a ton of money playing in that league, uh, depending on your contract. Um, you know, so what gets him through is, you know, self-belief, passion for the position and, and just a drive that, you know, has, has pole vaulted him to that spot. But there's a lot of players that never make it there. So um, it's easy to look at everybody's highlight reel and say, oh, like, you know, playing in the NHL, you know, all you have to do is, you know, just kind of love the game a bit. But it comes back down to the fact that, you know, if you don't have the work ethic and you don't have the passion, you know, you're really not going to go too far because, yeah. you know, the game has a tendency to beat you down a bit. And uh, you have to be prepared well, for that. So those would be the two things yeah, I would I would for say. Sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, goaltending, I would say, like, you know, it's a marathon. You know what I mean? It's it's about the little things you do and can you outlast people? And that was something that I knew I could. It didn't matter if the guys got drafted over me. It didn't matter if they were more highly touted. I knew if I just focused on the details for longer that I would outlast them. Right. And the only way, yeah. uh, you know, we talk about goaltending, your career is a marathon. You know what I mean? It, it will get sure. tough eventually. It will be competitive. And, and, um, the only way you can really go the distance in this line of business is if you really do have that work ethic and you have passion within that for work sure. ethic for the days where you don't feel like going or the days you feel off or the weeks you feel off or when you had a bad month and you're kind of doubting yourself, right? Your passion's really what, what, uh, what drives your work at worth ethic. And those are for the sure. things that really separate you from everybody else at the next level. If you don't have that, those are non-negotiables, like even at the NHL level. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Like, I just think it's with today's day and age with how close goal, especially now with, with how close goaltenders are and yeah. like how much knowledge they have about the position. Like you might've been able to get away with that. You hear old stories of, of, you know, athletes, you know, not taking it as serious, but in today's day and age, like it, it's, it's tough to, to make it without an extreme amount of work ethic and, and passion for the position. Yeah. Like there's just, there's that too in much, itself too is like winning goals. the lottery. If you make it without those things, eh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You're right. You're right. But yeah, that's you might as well buy a lottery ticket. That that's a good way to do it. But uh, but no, I I think that those are the two things that uh, you know basically if, if you want it, at least a fighting chance, um, you're gonna have to be you know passionate and and pretty driven to get to that next level. Yeah, yeah. Well, Matt, uh, we are. This is our final question here, and and just considering everything we've talked about about today, do you have any last words of advice for everyone listening that you uh, feel passionate about sharing? Uh no, I think we touched on most of it. I think the biggest thing, like for the for for players, is like you got to enjoy what you're doing. Uh, we touched a lot on um you know like work ethic and, and discipline and all that stuff but at the end of the day i think the one thing we you know we got to remember too is, is you got to enjoy it um yeah. you have to be able to enjoy the journey um have fun with it um and, and that's the only way you're really going to get better is um you've got to embrace kind of the challenges in front of you but um you know we didn't touch on that probably enough is is, is you got to love the position and, and have fun with it but yeah um but no, that that's my biggest piece of advice to young players is, and it, again, it's as cliche as they come, but you gotta, you gotta enjoy, enjoy the journey because, you know, before you know it, it's, it's, it's done it with a blink of an eye, you're, you're, yeah. you're not playing anymore. So um, enjoy the process yeah. because, yeah. because it only comes around once for you. Yeah. And you know, uh, how many guys can say they got into a scrap with John Tortorella? 
Yeah, exactly. No kidding. I was like, that was not a question uh, I was expecting to pop up today, but uh, but it was a good one, and honestly, it touched on a yeah. lot of things. So, but no, I that's the one coach I uh, I would be a little bit scared to go up against. So even <laughs> even just in, even just having words with him, he he seems like a little a uh, little bit scary that way. But uh, he's no, got a few uh, scares list. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's he's a he's a one heck of a coach, and uh, but he's definitely an intimidating man for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, friend of the show, appreciate you coming back on, man. Always a pleasure to, ch- to chat some next level goaltending development, but to, you know, really push the limits and just the conversation and, and kind of the traditional thinking within, you know, what we, what we know right now. I, and I think that's the, the only way we'll ever be able to continuously keep developing is if we keep challenging that, that status quo. And I know, you know, today will just be a great example for people on, on how to challenge it in their own careers and their own journeys as well. So uh, can you just let people know where they can uh, get in touch with you online again? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess the best way, like our website, mattsmithgoaltending.com, um, that, that's one way to contact us. Uh, and then all the social media platforms, it's uh, MS Goaltending. So uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, it's all MS Goaltending. And you can find me uh, camped out there quite a bit. Right on. So go check out Matt Smith on Instagram. And uh, his students uh, have had a, a tremendous amount of success over the years. And if you're looking to make that jump to the next level, uh, definitely go back and listen to episode 11, actually, where he made his first appearance. And we chat in depth about his personal coaching philosophy, as well as an inside look into uh, Nico Dawes' story and World Junior A gold medal success. Uh, but maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show again, if that's something that interests you, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Always, I always love chatting goaltending, as you know. So absolutely. All right. Well, cheers, man. I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon. Thanks. You too. Thanks for tuning in this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up already to come onto the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next week, I have another incredible retired goaltender who spent over 10 seasons playing in Germany's top league in the DEL, which is arguably one of the best leagues in Europe. Uh, with over 400 pro games played, well over, and and longtime WHL and AJHL coaching veteran Ian Gordon. And Ian is an incredibly decorated uh, guy, receiving several honors during his time in the DL, uh, starting his career out in the in WHL, uh, as well as winning a DL League championship during his time and tenure in the league. And uh, Ian is a great guy who who just knows the game incredibly well, and I'm excited to bring him on next week, so make sure to tune back. You won't want to miss this one. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the Goalie Hacks podcast. And just as a note here, if you enter into this giveaway, even if you don't win, uh, we select four winners a month, and, and that includes books, uh, different products, training products, uh, neuro tracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month. And even if you don't win uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the future the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.